Welcome to the Our Safe Harbor Church podcast. Here you can listen to our Sunday sermon, Monday morning message, and midweek Bible study. We hope you will consider subscribing, sharing, leaving a review, but please be sure to check out our website at www.OurSafeHarbor.com to learn more about us and find ways to get involved. Our Safe Harbor Church, we are with you wherever you are. Welcome back and Happy New Year. Welcome to the January edition of Walking Through the, the Book of Mark. We ended last week with, um, prematurely actually, because we ran out of time. We were having a good time. But we didn't quite finish and get Jesus, Peter, James, and John off the mountain. Elijah and Moses have already disappeared. So I'm just going to read uh, verses 9, 10, I'm write 9 through 13. But when we get off the mountain, you were indicating last week that you were kind of interested in what was happening at the bottom of the mountain. Mm-hmm. So after I do 9 through 13, I want to hand it over to you. Is it good? Good. Um, there is a surprise in these verses. So look for the surprise. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus gave them orders not to tell anyone what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. They kept the matter to themselves discussing what rising from the dead meant. Boom. Stop right there. This is a bit of a shock to a lot of folk that the people in the Hebrew scriptures all the way up to Jesus's time did not have a really well-developed concept of what happens after death. Now he's an agnostic borderline atheist, but um, Bart Ehrman has a book, Heaven and Hell, A History which is very much worth reading. Um, He doesn't allow his prejudices to do you any damage in there. Uh, And it talks and it shows how people were were wrestling about what next, what happens. And by far, you know, the Greeks, Mesopotamians and like, uh, Mesopotamians and the like, um, believed it was a place of dark wondering and sadness for everybody. You know, so death was to be feared. Death was an awful thing. Job is very confused about it. He'll, he, sometimes he'll tell God, if I die, you're, you're going to miss me. Mm-hmm. Other times he says, I will walk in my flesh on this earth again. He's all over. The Psalms are all over. There's this concept that God is in a place and we may be with that in that place but this whole idea of do good things, go to heaven had not come up. And the idea of the rising of the dead, because they, they understood this, the spirit may go, but they watched the body rot. In fact, they would go back in if, if you're buried in caves. <laughs> you were on a uh, first in, first out basis uh, you know, with the shells. When they, they ran out, they'd put your bones in a box, an ossuary, so the new guy could go in. They could see it. What this rising from the dead means. By the way, I still get that. Um, my mother passed, as you know, in November 20th, just a couple months ago. And she was cremated. I always get questions when we do a cremation. You know, well, how is God going to raise him from the dead? Atoms are neither created nor destroyed. 
all of her atoms are out there. God can put her back together. If that's what he wants to do. I don't think we quite know what's going to happen. We just know Paul says we're going to be translated you know, um, into another form that's incorruptible. But just to let you know, this wasn't a well-developed theology. So they're all saying, yes, Jesus, we absolutely agree. We won't do anything until the Son of Man is risen from the dead. And then they turn to each other and go, what does what? that mean? <laughs> so so um, Jesus knows that. And do you want to enter in there or do you want me to, to, to read a bit further? Or if, I saw you make a note if you wanted uh, to jump um, in. No, you, you, you can go okay. ahead. Okay. They ask him, why do the teachers of the law say Elijah must come first? Well, Jesus re- replied, to be sure Elijah does come first and restores all things. Why then is it written that the Son of Man must suffer much and be rejected? But I tell you, Elijah has come, and they have done to him everything they wished, just as it was written about him. Well, this is a bit confusing if you're just joining us, and you're not a church person, and you haven't had people sit down and explain away a whole bunch of stuff. Um, The Elijah figure in Jesus' life was John the Baptist. He went out ahead of Jesus. He proclaimed Jesus. And he, Jesus doesn't really go into it here. He just said, Elijah's already been. And the world did to him what they wanted to do to him. You know, the world never got Elijah when he was on the planet. You know, he escaped chariots of fire. Uh, Jezebel never got her, her claws into him. But now the world finally got to do to an Elijah what they wanted to do. Uh, the world here is a, a system word. It's not a place word. Um, it, it means the way the world does things. So the powerful in the world grabbed him and they did what they could do. He said, but um, he was here and I am here. And I bet they didn't get it for years. As, as you brought up with, with Saul, then uh, Paul, then Saul. Mm-hmm. He had to work his way through this logically. I think Romans is exceptionally logical Mm -hmm. and you can tell this is a guy that has wrestled with this and has to find a place for every piece of it well they're they're not ready for some of this Um, but I'm going to leave it there because then they're going to come off the mountain so I want you Mm -hmm. to take it from there about any of this that we've done but then to lead us into what has been occurring at the bottom of the mountain the um you had mentioned in a sermon a few Sundays back, you brought the concept of sacred geography. Yes. Okay. And um, which to me, I don't know if as you brought it out, you tied it into, but in my head it started working into what, what you brought up about, um, about, about death. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I've gotten some feedback you know, uh, you know, uh, on it because I took it and started working with that point, um, you know, trying to, uh, because it, it opened up a whole door for me to be able to understand something that I knew was there but could not understand. And, um, and, and people are, are struggling a lot today. I get, they've always struggled. Uh, um, we struggle in our own era as we're losing people and especially the numbers of people that have been lost in the last few years and especially as Christians. If you were in a faith tradition where uh, um, when you, you die, if you die without Christ, you, you go to hell or, or if you 
or interface and say if you do good things and you know you go ahead and stuff like that. And then the other part of it is when you work with a family person, a mother, father, brother, sister that is ill for a long walk like this, that started out with good health and then their health started to decline right. more on the mental side of that than maybe the physical side. Where is God in in this and how does that equate or relate to anything that we read and understand biblically and and um and sacred geography to me started answering questions of when you're talking with the parent that can no that no longer knows who you are you know and you may be feeding them or talking going through their day and as you're talking to them and loving them and as they they die the concept of when you were talking to them in that state you're just as close to them now as as they are when their physical body finally died and they and they are because that that thing of space i think is is more of a uh, a human yeah, concept it's a, it's a, yeah it's illusion than a than a, a, a what God's doing with this thing is not what we 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 do certain things with words so that we can understand what God is doing there and saying go. that God's yeah. not doing. That yeah, a, a cricket is trying to explain physics. Is yeah, really yeah. what, what um, just very briefly to talk about what he was what he's mentioning. Um, my mother had a bad fall. She was already uh, suffering with some dementia, but after she had a sudden fall, uh, we had no more consciousness from her. Uh, for for eight days, almost nine days. And my sister, God bless her, is a wonderful, wonderful person. She lives in Houston, and she said, should I come up there? Well, we didn't know how long this is. This could have been months. You know, people can stay in this state. And I said, no, you don't need to come up right now. You're already, you know, scheduled to come up in another week. So just wait for that. And she said, well, you know, I'd hate to not be there when she died. That's when I explained to her, at this point in the dying process, you in Houston are as close to her as I am standing by her bed just south of Nashville. Space is irrelevant. Sacred geography means that she's already moving out of the physical plane. And by the way, death is not always an event. For most of us, if we're aging out, it's a process. Uh, it, and it's not a one-way river either. Um, I believe that there were times that my mother was present in her body and other times she was not. There'd be a little flash and a look and the eyes of a focus and then it'd be gone. It might be gone for two days, might be gone for three days. And then all of a sudden, you know, the Friday before she died on a Sunday morning, she actually rallied a little bit, looked across the room, focused on me and smiled for the first time in, a, in over a week. And then it went away, and she laid back down. Who knows how many journeys we make and where? And so that's what I meant by sacred geography. So just to fill them in. Yeah. And it is, um, and in the text, as we, as we kind of wind this chunk of it out, Elijah was so important uh, um, because of his role um, in the prophets that set up the coming of Christ. And, and those that were Hebrew, you know, in, in culture and everything else, they looked at him as, as the savior. They believed that it was going to, that Elijah, this had to be him and he's gone. 
now. And so obviously they're going to struggle with it, somebody coming behind him. But then Christ just, you know, talks about Elijah is going to come. How can he be when he's gone? Well, now we can understand some of the Jewish Christian humanistic thinking and challenges that go on because we can't ever we're not allowed to stir this pot and have the kind of dialogues that would be um, essentially help move us off points. And I found in, in my study, and I'm sure that you can speak to what you found, but that uh, Christians, especially academic Christians that have studied this a lot, when they interact with uh, Jewish people and thinking uh, on, a, on a personal level, when they really engage it and go into it, they, they go through that, they come out of that experience differently um, with what we, where we should be, not where we are, based on kind of the struggles and challenges that, that we have. And that's important, and maybe even this thing of Elijah is bringing us through to understanding there's more, there's, there's more to this picture. Um, and and you, you can't look, if you look at any group of people or a person and damn them to hell or damn them to hate, we're automatically trying to distance ourselves from Christ, you know, from what God, God is doing because he shows us that we, we, can't, we can't walk that path. Now, the hard path is that we can tear up a lot of stuff that we don't have the power to go back and straighten out and fix. You know, we do a good job of tearing some things up. We do a very bad job of going back and putting it together. And that may be one of the greatest stories of Elijah, you know, coming this whole narrative as we as we pick him up and Christ and you get the other apostles in the same frame at the same time. What's going on? And of course, um, in the Hebrew people, of, oh, you know, that was one of their concerns is that, well, if Christ really gets power here, then you're going to forget about, you know, Moses. But, you know, if you forget about him, you'll forget about Elijah. And this is not going to happen. And then we live through it. Okay. Now, we I don't think we're going to get through this next story in our time today. We've got just over 21 minutes left, but we need to see what's happening at the bottom of the mountain. If you'd like okay. to start reading at 14 and go as far as you want to. Okay. Yeah, this, this is a good little piece here, so I'll read through it and then... Okay, I will try oh. not to interrupt. Oh. <laughs> I'll read through it and, and then kind of turn off. And verse 14, and when he came to the disciples, he saw a great multitude around them, and scribes disputing with them. Immediately when they saw him, all the people were greatly amazed and running to him, greeted him. And he asked the scribes, he asked the scribes, you, 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 while you're reading this, understand now he's talking to the leaders, those who would have been the religious leaders of the Jewish people at the time. So, so he's firing at them now. That's where he's going at them. Talk to the scribes. Um, what are you discussing with them? That is with the with my apostles. What, he didn't call them apostles, but that's who they were. What, what are you? What are you? What are you talking with them? Uh, discussing with them. Then one of the crowd answered and said, "Teacher, I brought you my son, who was me." And when he said, "Teacher," now he's talking back to Christ. Christ, I brought you. I didn't bring it to your disciple. I brought my son to you. I was trying to find you. Yeah. Okay, are, are you all driving down the road listening here? I, I, I elevated my voice a little bit because I didn't want to miss it. This lady came to him and said, I came looking for you. And because I couldn't find you, 
I was left with your disciples. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and the okay. teachers, uh, even worse, the teachers of the law. Yeah. You know, God save us from holy people. Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> he, he said, I couldn't find you, so I got stuck with one of your guys. Okay, so, so understand that that way. I, I, I'm sorry for interjecting no, so much. Good. And wherever, uh, uh, teacher, I brought you my son who has a mute spirit. And wherever it sees him, it throws him down. He foams at the mouth, gashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. So I spoke to your disciples, and they should uh, that they should cast it out, but they could not. He answered him and said, "O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me." Then they brought him to him, and when he saw him, immediately the spirit convulsed him, and he fell on the ground and swallowed, uh, wallowed foaming at the mouth. So he asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. And often he has, uh, he has thrown him uh, into the fire and into water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And I'll Stop right there. Okay. If you want to read or if you want to discuss any of this before or go on. Well, I find it fascinating. It, it sounds a lot like epilepsy, um, except that epilepsy generally does not rob you of speech as well. Uh, Luke always differentiates between demonic possession and epilepsy or other diseases. Mark, I'm not really sure how here, but I, this is a, I, w- I will bring up one thing. Um, because I don't want to ramble around. In verse 21, Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? And you might be thinking out there, uh, wait, Jesus is the son of God. He knows exactly how long. Perhaps, remember, he put on human flesh. And there are limitations to putting on human flesh. But also, we keep bringing this up almost every week. There's a process, a process, as I would prefer to say, that that must be done. And when a parent brings in a child who is in uh, psychological or physical trauma and crisis, the parent is too. The smart doctor knows that the parents are also patients. And they need to be recognized and seen and heard and understood. So Jesus is inviting the father Tell your story. Share your story. Because there were probably people there that were thinking, why is he hogging all the time with the rabbi? You know, or why, why does he get this? <coughs> and Jesus is showing them, you stop and you listen to their story. And you invite them, even if they brought somebody else. Um, think of a, of a married couple. One has Alzheimer's, one does not one is caring for the other. That's usually pretty easy. We look at that and say, both of them are suffering. We, we treat both of them. But something like this, back in the day, they, this is almost entertainment value to them. And Jesus stops and shows the father is also a victim. And I just want to bring that up. And then I'll let yeah. you take it back. And um, one of the things that um, our, our listeners Uh, hopefully can grab onto 
is at, at this point in time in history when things going on, people have a tendency to look on illnesses um, as demon possession mm -hmm. and, and demon almost almost every kind of illness was the devil's involved in some kind of way. And so it always, you know, came came back to that or it's always hanging around in in that. Uh, and um and so you you have that 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 kind of theme over, that's kind of laying around all of this is that it looks like there's coming to a, a David and Goliath between Christ and Satan as to who the power really is. It looks like that kind of thing um, yeah. And in their mind, that's probably the only thing that they can wrap it to. Or, or something like karmic experience. In other words, yeah. who sent this child or his parents, if you remember that, with the blind man? Yes. Um, so it's, it's the universe balancing the books, which, by the way, is not the scriptural concept at all, period. Uh, and Jesus makes that very clear time and time again. But yeah, they, almost like with Job, something bad happened. What did you do? You know, here... They would be looking for contest, as you're saying, mm -hmm. David, Goliath. They would also be looking for a demon to challenge the rabbi. Mm -hmm. uh, and they might also be wondering what the kid did wrong or what the parents did wrong. Exactly. And that will, that will always be, be in there is what, what happened wrong. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, and Patrick, to be honest with us, I think that that has not gone away. Because oh, when we look at poverty... <clears throat> What did they do wrong? Right. We look at a family and probably what did they do wrong? Especially if there's a family that lived on that block that made it out of pop, that kind of thing. Is that what did they do wrong? And a lot of that is, a lot of that thinking, a lot of that whole room of thought comes from, you know, when it, in a, it's in a religious environment, it raises up out of this as if. Um, it is attached one to the other. We look at parts of the globe. Okay, why are they? How why have they been in poverty ever since we have recorded, well, at least recorded history that we share? Why does it look like, and this country hasn't, or this people haven't, and and um, and then that also raises up this thing of this is how God shows who His favor is on, and you get that Southern nationalism, or you get that. Yeah. political religiousism mm -hmm. that's stuck in there and it's wrong. But the interesting thing that points out is that as soon as they come off this mountain, you know, he's there with, I came to, I trained to find you. And I couldn't find you, you know, so I found some of your guys, you mm -hmm. know, because they were right over there. And I told him, cast out the devil because we heard you did it. I think we saw you do it. Matter of fact, we did. And my boy isn't right, mm -hmm. you know. And I told them and they said they didn't know what to do, <laughs> you know. And so and so you, you can see, it's kind of, I'm saying it kind of comically because as it started opening me, I started laughing about it because that, that's how they were really coming. We came to find you, mm -hmm. okay? We came to find you. We couldn't find you, but we found some of your disciples and they couldn't do what you did, you know? And so we're at a loss, but not only that, the scribes were now starting to pick at them, you know? Yes. The scribes thought they had a window because they're always mm -hmm. looking. They, right. you know, before they ever got Christ on that cross, they were looking for ways to get rid of him before then. That just happened to be once they saw the Herod and they saw that thing going on, okay, that's how we're going to get him. Uh, um, and with all that being said, 
uh, um, here, the scribes are starting to think, well, wait a minute, you, you know, this is maybe how we can separate ourselves, we can keep our power, but separate ourselves from, you know, from Christ, what he's doing. And so you start having now a turmoil within religion, within this Christian, Judeo-Christian, mm -hmm. would still be, you starting, because Christianity hadn't it hadn't really shot, taken a phone yeah. but but that's we all know that's where it's coming, and we all know Judaism opened that door. Well, now they're starting to sense that, and uh, and that is important. And the scribes are starting, you know, to well, you know, um, that's a battle, and we we probably the world will probably face that battle till we're going. The the scribes or whoever is is trying to voice. We're doing this for God. You know, you remember the blues? Um, the blues, blues Brothers, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, man. On a mission uh, from God. Yeah, if you haven't, uh, if you haven't seen that movie, you want to see that. Uh, uh, John Belushi, I think. And, and Dan um, Aykroyd. Dan Aykroyd. Uh, um, they were trying to save that, that, uh, that I think it was a, a youth uh, a house or something. Right. And we're on a mission from, from God, and we've got to get there to raise that, that money. Some people believe that their faith is a Faith that is on it, their their faith, their understanding of this faith is a mission from God, mm -hmm. you know, to to obliviate everything in this whole sphere and to save and to resurrect what God started, as if God needed that one thing to do His His bidding, and and it's not like that if God needs us to defend him. We're in a world of hurt. Yeah, we, yeah. We, we are in a world of hurt. And he does, and God is gracious in the fact that he brings us through. But um, as we're going to experience here, when God brings us through, he doesn't necessarily take the suffering and the hurt away to bring you through. Now, it doesn't mean he's going to put all of it on you, um, which is more evidence that he's not going to do that because we can't take it. Um, literally, um, if we stood first on Satan's blows, we would have never got up after the first one. Sure. You know, so he absorbs it. But the fact that um, that that's the way that they're looking at this. There, there's a. I think you ended after verse twenty-two. Two. Okay. Yeah. Um, that if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. I love Jesus's response. If you can. <laughs> everything is possible for one who believes and immediately the boy's father exclaimed I do believe help me overcome my unbelief um, Rick I don't know about you I pray that line several times a week at least and sometimes several times a day because I believe in him but I'm not sure what he's going to do or if he's going to do it or we have a hard time trusting God no matter his, his track record with this. You know, I've been blessed in so many ways that if I were to try to literally count my blessings, I couldn't do it. And yet, it's always like, well, maybe he won't this time. Mm -hmm. um, and not, not a prosperity gospel thing here. We're, we're not talking anything like that. Um, I do want to say, verse 23 has been weaponized against some people. Uh, I have pain. Um, it's, there's a, there are nerves in the face, or big name for it, that are inflamed. And like this morning, a migraine woke me up at 4 o'clock. And yet, 
you know, we're here, we're doing all right. Um, I understand that. But I had that back when I was 19 and 20 as well. Not as bad back then, but it's pretty bad. And it could be some, de- you know, debilitating. And I was working in an office while going to university. And a couple of men came, would come over and say, if you would just go to our church, we have healing services. And if you just believed and you would come to our church, you wouldn't have this pain anymore. Well, I didn't go because I already had a brain and I already saw a problem with this. Mm-hmm. But so many people are walking around being told the reason they're going through hell of any kind is because they didn't have enough faith. And that's not what he's doing. Remember when I talked about, I know you do. Remember when I talked about death is more of a process than an event for most of us. So is healing. Everything is possible for him who believes doesn't mean it's possible right now the way you want it. It means you keep believing and keep working with God and everything's possible. Well, this guy's going to get an event, uh, which is brilliant. But I I just wanted to bring that up. Don't weaponize verse 23. Uh, I had a a man once, when we talked about the pain we'd experienced in a mission trip. A guy in the church, in the class where we were showing it, raised his hand a little bit. And he said, well, you must have been doing it wrong. Because if you follow God, you're supposed to be blessed. And I, I looked at him and I said, what happened to all of the apostles? Every one of them, except for John, died a horrific death. What'd they do wrong? He could not get that out of his head. But Jesus even told us back Sermon on the Mount, if we follow him, we're going to be thrown in prison. We're going to be beaten. We're going to, yeah. So I'm throwing all that out there because these two verses, I go back to them again and again and again because sometimes I'm going to to confess something to you, Rick. It's in front of all these people, but they won't tell anybody. (laughs) Um, there are times that my prayers even though they don't use the words still sound like if you can Mm -hmm. so as you brought up a few times about the apostles I think this is a lesson we're always going to have to learn again and again and again so I do believe help me overcome my unbelief is just going to be a part of my prayer it's a part of the of the human equation of of life part of Paul's struggle um, you know as Paul oh, wretched man that mm-hmm. I that I am I find within me you know a law but I, then I also find I can't do perfect it. illustration you, you know and, and that's part of the struggle of a Christian and by Christian I, I don't mean a person who sh- who who just goes up I'm talking about a person who have some cognitive understanding that I'm, I'm trying to follow the Lord here. I, I have faith in the, the Lord. I, I have faith in my work of the Lord. It's the problem that these things keep coming up, uh, you know, in life, when, especially when you feel you've gotten past a, a certain kind of thing, whatever that is. And three years later, it shows up again. You say, man, I, you know, I, I, and, and that's life. But, it, but it's designed, part of this design is to bring us to realize that your authority, your faith, your resolution is in Christ. It's not in yourself. It's, it's in Christ. And continue, you know, to, to work through it. And which is a neat thing to, to have because, it, because then, you know, as I go through a struggle, as I 
get involved or do something that I just, whatever it is, you don't beat yourself up to the point where you're yeah. no good for God to use you. Exactly. You know, that's when you cry out you know, to, to the Lord. This is where I'm getting to, Lord. Don't you hear me? Don't you feel my heart? Can't you sense that? And it's in that struggle, in those struggles, is where you move forward. It, and it may be by, by, you know, just micro, you know, movements forward, but, but, you, move, but you move forward. Uh, and, um, and then when you, when you see a, a digression, when you fall back, you realize, okay, I've got I've to focus on this. Uh, but the reality of it is, is, is that in a sense, you see certain things getting stronger. In other words, I may be able to talk about some of these faults in a way that you can understand this, that, and then it helps you to go forward. So we help each other by these testimonies. And, and part of that, part of that struggle, you know, that comes up is that. You don't need to hook that back up. I get no. you. Um, when Jesus saw that a crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the impure spirit you deaf and mute spirit, he said, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. <coughs> Once again, have you seen the pattern? We keep bringing it up. He sees the crowd is running to see the show. He's not here to give the crowd a show. And he's not here to expose this young boy and his, his father, at least, if not his father and mother and family, to the, to the prying eyes of the curious crowd. So he quickly heals him. The spirit shrieked, convulsed him violently and came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that many said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand, again with the touching. Jesus touches, he enters our life, lifted him to his feet and he stood up. After Jesus had gone indoors, his disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we drive it out? He replied, this kind can only come out by prayer. Um, other tellings of the story add and fasting. Best. Um, but my focus here, and just because you had a mic incident, you don't have mm -hmm. to let me take over. Uh, I think we only got about a minute left. This kind, I think we need to understand that not all demons are equal. And some of them will flee if you just say, not today, Satan. But then there are others that we have to wrestle with. Uh, when the Bible says, resist the devil and he will flee from you, it is using a term that was used in wrestling events at the time that were often wrestling unto death. So not all demons are easy to get rid of. And let's say that I had a, a lifetime uh, issue with tobacco. Smoke, smoke, smoke. Uh, and I'm not trying to tell you if you smoke, you're going to hell. Please don't overread things. And I decided one day I'm not going to smoke anymore. And I didn't. I need to understand that's an aberration. That's a gift from God. That's a weird thing because addictions are brutal. They're just brutal. Whatever, and you've mentioned this a couple times recently, you don't know what other people are struggling with. And just because you don't struggle with it doesn't mean they're weak. We don't know what kind of forces they're fighting. Um, as a man put it to me years and years ago, every, man, every person you meet today is having a hard day. Treat them accordingly. And um, that was some of the best advice I'd ever gotten. Mm -hmm. But this kind, Paul will rank demons later. The Jews had a very deep and thorough demonology. A lot of it imported from Babylon. 
Did you want to talk about this? you want to hold it for next week? Or what um, would you like to do? No, and that way we can wrap it up. Just quickly, a couple of things. And you, you mentioned it, but I want to just reiterate verse 29. Um, this, one, this kind comes, doesn't come out but by prayer and, and fasting. And fasting is not in the original or in the best uh, manuscripts okay. from the original. It's, it's not there. Um, and for me to say that, uh, talking kind of the water goes over the dunk's back because unless you stop and think and really put it in, that when you read this, you, you need to take that out. Uh, okay. I don't mean cut it out. I'm not talking about that. But your brain needs to lie it out because instantly we're going to go through fasting elevates prayer. Okay, and so if my prayer um, is not where it needs to be, fasting then will take that up a level. Yeah, you, and you then can... if my fasting... Um, is where it needs to be, you know, because we're going through steps. That's never... That's another guilt trip. Uh, yeah, exactly. And, and that's never... Anytime you get that as an interpretation in the New Testament, it is not a New Testament reality it, when it comes up. It was never designed for that. This most likely is an insert... Well, it is an insertion, um, yeah. you know, by, by a scribe. But, but, and so that's the reality is don't... Because what people think is if, if I really... Go at it. No, no. I mean, if I really, really, really go at it. No. I mean, you're not hearing me. I mean, if I really get on it, you know, this yeah. thing like that, it's going to be. And then you start running into that brick wall and said, I've given it everything I have, you know, and I'm still there. And if we pull back from God, if we diminish God or just say, OK, I'm going to be this way. That's when we start digressing. That's when we lose what God wants to give us. You know, um, you know, it's not the fact that fasting got you there, because if anything, fasting is is only a thing of letting you remember mm -hmm. that I belong to Christ. Mm -hmm. So I'm giving this up to remind myself that I belong to Christ, not to make myself better. It's just another way of remembering because when you start those hunger pains start kicking in and you start thinking why you're hungry, then you start remembering because I belong to the Lord and that's what I need to remember. So when I get over into this area, that area, I belong to, you know, to the Lord. And then um, the, the, the kind of the, the other part of this last part of the narrative, uh, um, 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 if you can believe all things are possible to him who believes, uh, um, th this it isn't a level of faith, of, of different levels of faith, uh, um, because a, a child's faith, a di faith is faith. But, but it's a th the believing there is not believing that God can just fix this thing, but it's believing in God who is God, God himself. There you go. I believe, yeah. Because this is what <clears throat> Satan was trying to dislodge them from, was belief in Christ. Um, because you realize I cannot win that battle, but I can pull them away from it. And so it's not that my faith is better. And, and so I think we maybe this kind of got opened up in a lesson or two back is that just because you have not had the benefit of, of six or seven or eight years of just theological understanding training, whoever it is that's listening to us now, don't think that you're any worse that you know, or you're worse off than somebody, or that's why you're not where this person. Uh, uh. It is because because when God is in you, He's in you. He's going to bring on the journey. It depends more on your 
ability to lay yourself before the Lord. And that's just like any other challenge that we come across. You know, when I realize I'm up against a challenge and I'm the problem, that I've Rick's got to decrease, I've got to let it go. And then as soon as we get there, Satan's going to lay into us. Why are you letting this person push you around? We talked about that yeah. thing. Why are you letting this person do this to you? Why are you doing this? Why are you? Why did this person get this raise? And if you have walked, you have walked away from those employers and not granted this, then the other, you would have that too. Why do that? You, you know. Um, well, and and again, we're over time, but I will say, I'm I'm right with you. The, you know, if you don't watch out, the devil will use this stuff against you. You must not believe enough. That's why you're still in pain. You must not have prayed enough. That's why you're in. You must not have fasted enough. But when it comes to fasting, I always tell people, you know, I can remember when Bobby Sands, an IRA prisoner in um, one of the worst prisons in Northern Ireland, decided to fast and go on a complete hunger strike to force the British government to change their positions. Well, he fasted until he died. Didn't, didn't work. Uh, some reforms came later. I sometimes feel like people are fasting to try to force God or put God to the test. Now, fasting is a good thing, and maybe we'll do a class about that. But it's there to teach us how to say no. In the book of Isaiah, it says true fasting is paying your employees well and treating people kindly. Mm-hmm. You know, so there's, it's more complicated. But if you're struggling right now with pain, loneliness, depression, any of that, you need to understand it isn't because you didn't pray right. It isn't because you didn't go to the right church. It isn't because your faith wasn't up to it. It's because you're a human being, a unique human being in a very unique situation. And God is with you in it. Trust him. Look at God. Start the year doing that. And let's see where we get to by the end of the year. All right. Thank you, Brother Rick. God bless. We'll see you next week.